welcome to But Really, How Are You? My name is Corianne, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing some of the top researchers and experts in the field of psychology so that we can learn more about emotional well-being. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited and interested in the topic we're going to talk about today, which is creativity and how it intersects with psychology. Now, creativity, I'm not just talking about the arts, like the creative arts, such as you know, painting, sculpting, dance, those sort of things, but creativity really impacts every single thing in our life and our feelings lead to creative energy. And so, you know, creativity impacts your work life, right? It impacts how you think up solutions to complex problems. It impacts how you cook a meal or even how you structure your day. Creativity impacts your relationship with your kids or even your spouse or partner. Creativity is important to understand. So I'm excited to have with us on the show today, Dr. Terry Goslin Joan, who received her master's in personnel and counseling from Miami University, Ohio, and her PhD in psychology from Saybrook University. Her dissertation focus was on creativity within the workplace. In her private practice as a workplace psychologist, she works with individuals and groups. She's also a psychology professor and supervises research on creativity studies. Her core belief is that work becomes more meaningful when creativity is nurtured through the expression of a person's unique gifts, talents, and perspectives, and that this really impacts every area of their life. So I'm very excited to have her on the show with us today. And before we begin, I just want to share one of my favorite quotes that she says today. She says, the creative process is really a bridge to deeper levels of knowing oneself. And I love that. I love that we can use our creativity to help us know and understand ourselves better and our relationship with others better. I think this is going to make more sense as we dive into the interview today. So thank you for being with us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Corey. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. I would love it if you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, sure. Well, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I work all over the United States, and I'm an educator, a consultant, a workplace psychologist, and I specialize in creativity. And my business mission is to discover the wonder of people at work. Well, I'm excited for this topic that we're going to be speaking about today, which is creativity and how it affects our mental well-being. Why don't we begin just by kind of defining what is creativity? Well, creativity technically is defined as something that's original, something that's meaningful. And traditionally, it was defined as something that would be evaluated or assessed by others as original and meaningful. And I mean, it can be something that's expressed in the arts, sciences, education, sports. So it really crosses fields. And is that still how you define it today? You know, as I have uh, worked with creativity, I really have moved into the areas of creativity being defined by so many different definitions. Um, I'm 
personally very interested in everyday creativity, relational creativity, uh, how people can use their creativity for optimal well-being. And I teach courses in creativity studies and really give my students an opportunity to explore and define creativity from a personal viewpoint. And as they do that, there are just so many different definitions of creativity. Hmm. Well, I heard a couple of things that interested me. What what exactly is everyday creativity? Ah, you know, everyday creativity is um, really a term now. Uh, Ruth Richards is a psychiatrist and professor, and we have actually done a lot of work together, but Ruth is really an originator of exploring and researching everyday creativity. And recently I had the privilege to work with her and co-author a chapter on everyday creativity uh, for the Encyclopedia of Creativity. And we defined it as you know this universal capacity for survival for participation in life for really trying to find the best of what one's interests are exploration uh you know everyday creativity is found in work it's found in leisure family life uh, friendships education creative passions uh, physical well-being there's just a broad range of areas that everyday creativity really dives into now Earlier on, you mentioned that creativity historically has been what someone else evaluates or defines as being creative. How is that different from everyday creativity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, You know, when people think about the traditional areas or definitions of creativity, it's more uh, people like Thomas Edison, Walt Disney, uh, Albert Einstein, uh, Stephen Jobs, and you can even these examples cross business, science, uh, Marie Curie, art, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Everyday creativity would be you, me, our neighbors, everybody listening to the podcast, that everybody has a way to live their life and this capacity for optimal well-being. And that might be expressed, it is expressed uniquely in each person's life based on their own skills, strengths, passions, and their curiosity. So I guess I'm curious, in your research, how does creativity intersect with psychology and wellness? First, uh, you know, with psychology, that creativity, Abraham Maslow would be a psychologist who looked at self-actualization and human nature and how we evolve. And creativity is really a, a bridge and a form of expression towards these optimal ways of being. So from the psychology standpoint, you know, I, I say life isn't about finding ourselves. This is a kind of famous quote. Life is about creating ourselves. We are creating ourselves every single day by the choices we make, the decisions, the actions, the way we take care of our body, the way we live our life, our emotional attitudes, the way we interact with each other. And that is where the psychology uh, crosses. The well being is creativity can go both ways. We can be very creative and uh, 
like vaping, you know, vaping is a creative alternative to smoking, Mm -hmm. but vaping isn't healthy either. So you're looking at the whole healthcare field and looking at well-being. How do we look at mind-body medicine? How do we look at mind-body-spirit of caring for ourselves in creative ways that really take us forward in a healthy way of meeting our needs, but exceeding our needs and becoming all of who we can be. Hmm. I really like that quote, life is, isn't about finding ourselves; it's about creating ourselves. Yes. So if someone isn't living a creative life, how would it affect them? If you think about your own life and even, you know, people that you know, who sometimes maybe you've been stuck and you feel like you're you're in a rut. It's an example of when like creativity is not being accessed. And when there is change, people who are having a hard time accessing their creativity may really be feeling resistance and feel stressed and feel anxiety. So the challenges that a person has, you've got different places to access different kinds of energy. And if you're accessing the energy of stuckness and feeling depressed and sad and no energy, you don't want to get out of bed, you're not looking forward to anything, you can shift that. And, you know, a person might say, how can I shift that? First place to shift it would be this area of creativity and mindfulness, becoming aware of how I feel, connecting to my feelings slowing down, opening up to it, not resisting it, but being aware and mindful of what's happening, that I'm in a difficult situation. My feelings are actually creative energy. Hmm. So emotions are representative of the internal landscape Mm -hmm. that one has. And as you become more aware of your internal landscape, you could use creative processes to explore that. Pennebacher has done a lot of research on opening up through writing and how writing can be a mechanism, just journaling, just, you know, this is how I feel right now. I feel tired and frustrated and my energy's low and I've been running from one thing to the next and there's never a break and I can't breathe and I haven't been out of my house in weeks and writing down those feelings and shifting them. So Mm -hmm. Pennebacher would say even writing them down, you could rip it up and throw it away, but now it's outside of you instead of inside of you. Mm. That is a creative process. That would be, you know, one, one example. That makes sense. How does creativity take that energy and how does it change us from within then? Yeah. So if you, you know, continue with that example and you've written down your feelings and emotions and you're feeling a little bit better. And so now in the creative process, I really look at it as mind, body, spirit connection. And I look at Uh, expressive arts as this intermodal way to explore one's interior world. And this would include uh, somatic awareness, you know, being aware of your body and your somatic awareness is, you know, your body is a creative artistic vehicle of which you move around the world with. So moving your body, like if we've been in meetings and 
you know, we're sitting all day and we've now written down and we become aware that my body needs movement. I walk outside, I go into nature and nature interacting with nature is also a creative act. So now I'm infused with some of the energy of, you know, the trees and outside and the air. And I, I feel a little bit fresher and I continue in my expressive arts process. I may now come back and journal and use some imaging and I don't have to know how to paint, but you know, I could express this and theoretically images hold more of our emotion sometimes than words do. So if we can express ourselves in an image through color, we can connect to more of our emotions. And, and I'll even have people do what I call like an emotional landscape. And just like paint your emotional landscape. How are you feeling? Pick some colors just intuitively, or you could do collage, uh, rip some images. You could do a nature walk and pick things from nature and do a nature collage. And then from that, I have more awareness. I've, I've paused to be with myself. And I might write about that experience. I might write a poem and or just words uh, that give me more insight into my feelings. Mm. And then in, in an expressive arts process, I would share that with a partner. So that example that I'm giving you right now actually leads more into you could do that alone. You can do it with a partner. You could even do it with a group process. And there are Zoom processes right now, you know, using mm-hmm. expressive arts to foster creativity uh, since people cannot gather together. So now sometimes when people hear expressive arts, sometimes they might think it, one thing I can think of a story in my head could be like, oh, that's a waste of time. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Why is it important to take the time to open up that creative part of ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. And I did my dissertation research on expressive arts. You know, what are the perceived effects of using expressive arts in the workplace? And I interviewed, you know, 12 people who really were immersed in an expressive arts program and they had all different backgrounds and they were not artists. You know, they were Mm -hmm. coming into this uh, because they did have an interest in psychology, but they were scientists, engineers, educators, very broad backgrounds. What came out of that research was as you interact with different creative processes, being, you know, art making, clay, movement, writing, poetry, music, song, sounding, these are all creative processes. You access more of your fuller energy. Mm. You access uh, both sides of your brain. You become more present in the moment. So there is a, a joy in the process that can unfold. And it is more about the process than the result, but the result ends up being some shifts in people's uh, way of being and way of interacting with others and way of knowing oneself. Mm, Okay, that makes sense. And that's how it translates to being creative in other areas of our life. Yes, even like in the workplace. Like I have used some expressive arts in the workplace, like in work groups, uh, 
both for uh, knowing oneself, working through conflict, uh, trying to access greater creativity. So the same premises and concepts can be used in more formal settings, and they can be used in therapeutic settings, and they can be used in family, you know, in community settings across uh, groups and across ages. So looking at the intersection between creativity and psychology, I'm curious, how does one approach, like, how do you approach seeing creativity intersect with psychology when you are teaching classes or working with other yeah. people? Okay. The place that I teach um, right now, Saybrook University, focuses on humanistic psychology. So we have a very unique perspective on creativity. Some places would look at creativity as innovation. How do you innovate? How do you create uh, better products in a company or business situation? That's a dimension of creativity, but we also look at creativity from human nature. How does a person use creativity in uh, relationships to transform society? We have teach classes in creativity and social transformation expressive arts. How can one use creative process to know oneself, to learn, to grow, to help with relationships, to help with conflict, to move through the aging process, different stages of life, that uh, creativity is used in all of these different areas. So we're looking at, you know, creative process, the creative person, the creative press, which is the environment, the world, and then the product. Uh, but even the product could be defined differently in the sense of a product could be creating a health app on the computer or um, a box of creative tools to stimulate children's creativity, or it could be a creative process that resolves conflict between people. So, you know, there are many different disciplines in which uh, creativity would be used, studied academically, and even in researched. That makes sense. Okay. So creativity is not just about being artistic. It is about, you know, how do you bring, how do you think differently and sort of out of the box in all these different areas? Yes. Okay. Yeah, very much so. I'm curious, how does creativity, if you're living as a creative person, why would someone want to live that way? Like, how does it impact their wellness? Is it for better or like what sort of effect does it have on the whole person? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, too. And it's a really big question. You know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. There are, you know, many studies about creativity and well-being and how a person expressing their creativity also can have more access to their fuller potential. So that can lead to, you know, growth and joy and this concept of self-actualization. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And you've mentioned a couple of times that it affects, uh, like creativity can be used in a relational sense. Can you help us understand that a little bit more? If you think about almost all the different relationships that you have. So you could start with work, which you know would be common. Every workplace would have different ways of being with each other, different types of culture. And we spend so much time with the people that we work with. If we look at 
all of those relationships as creative opportunities, opportunities to know the other person uh, better in an authentic way, to know oneself, that then there's this dynamic that occurs between people. So this relational creativity field that you can dive into is also like a real big intersection of psychology and creativity so that people are looking at the relationship as creative space to understand each other, to grow, to, you know, make the workplace a better place, to accomplish products, to create what you're there to create, but in a way that is very meaningful so that you're meeting your own life purpose as well as your doing the work mission that you're doing, whether it's in, you know, healthcare, education, engineering, or the tech area. Mm -hmm. Are there specific things in research around relational creativity that you can share more about? You know, what comes to mind to me, there's different frameworks, but a philosophy that I use a lot is the person-centered philosophy. Carl Rogers and Natalie Rogers, I've studied their work and use it a lot. And within that, uh, there is, you know, being congruent. So learning about how am I feeling right now, uh, being authentic, really being able to share what's happening inside of me, being empathetic, being able to develop skills and understanding of what's happening with you so that I can hear you and understand your perspective and that I am influenced and even can change from that understanding. What does the actual process look like of how does creativity impact us in sort of like discovering oneself? One thing that comes to mind immediately is you know, in this area too of relational creativity, conflict develops. So if I'm in the workplace and say in the healthcare field and I'm uh, interacting, you know, with a patient or a client and there is friction and they're upset and things are, you know, I can get activated. So I learn something about myself and that noticing, okay, I'm activated, but I'm activated because I, I'm just overwhelmed. I haven't had time to breathe. I haven't had a break. I haven't had my lunch. So I I develop self-awareness through relationship versus uh, taking it for granted. And however, what's happening in my inner landscape may be, if I'm not conscious, I can impact people outside of myself negatively. If I'm creative, I can look at that and say, oh, there's another way of being here. There's a, another way of interacting, and I can change and shift the dynamic and the energy that's happening within a relationship. Okay, that makes sense to me. So, and you mentioned too, um, how does creativity sort of help move through different stages of life? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and related to like that relational creativity. Yeah, you could almost look at every stage of life. It's very interesting to consider that and see what's the possibility. So first, we might look at role models. What have we seen? And now, like even you know, in the pandemic, we don't have role models necessarily for a certain stage of life. So then we have to really be creative and figure something out for ourselves. 
but there is you know so much potential now in to live our lives in different ways so it's really being conscious and thinking about how i might want to live of different stages of my life. There's a, a book out that I've read recently called, it's like the 100-year-old life, the 100-year life, how we have the potential to live much longer and how we need our creativity. And we need to look at things in new ways and experiment and try things. And that all comes from you know that creative spirit within. How would creativity help you move through those different stages, though? I think I'm having a hard time understanding that. Mm-hmm. So... Another thing, I mean, you could do like a sociological study of different generations, how the millennials with technology are using their creativity to shift things. So, you know, even like your passion for podcast is a creative venture in your life chapter that is helping you express a part of yourself outside of your other job, where previously you know, radio shows, but now we've got like technology. Now we can connect people worldwide. So it's almost like what is available to you in your press, in your creative environment, you're starting to connect to your own interest, your own nature in new ways. So now you live your life in a different way because of your own creative spirit, but how you are living into your environment. Now, how would, I mean, so I am really involved in the tech world because of uh, my husband and our business. But like, let's say someone is an elderly person, like how would they use creativity in that stage of their life? What would that look like for someone? And two, it depends, like, you know, how do you define um, elderly? Like how we're more creative now, even in looking at different populations. So I've read stories about people living in, instead of like assisted living, living in group group situations that, uh, so, you know, people can like merge their skills and do fun things and yet have the care and the family and the group support that they need or workplaces designing new ways to work so that you're not losing your wisdom and elders, but you're designing new ways of working together. Those would all be examples of redesigning life in more creative ways. So is creativity, it's it's more of a process. It's not so much of a product then? And it could be a product, you know. Okay, here's an example. Just recently, I came across somebody who's very into like multiple businesses for their own life. So they're they're doing improv and they're doing coaching and they have online book club of diversity uh, books for different age groups. And those books are, can be ordered, like it used to be like scholarly books that you would get from your school. And now they're packaging that uh, into products that have social meaning and are available to different uh, work groups. And I think, you know, there's been so much popping up online as far as you know, educational opportunities, creativity workshops, uh, poetry readings, things that you can do online connected while people are still stuck in their home. How would a person uh, discover their creative outlet and use their creativity? So 
I guess maybe I'll back up a second. For me, in my own personal story, I didn't believe that I was really creative growing up because my parents kind of told us that we weren't a really creative family. Like we weren't artistic or didn't do that sort of thing. So I guess like I'm I'm curious, like if someone tells us we're not creative, what do we do with that information if we have that belief about ourselves? I think lots of people have that belief. And I think it's um, actually really exciting to break through that. And I have seen people break through it in, in different ways. I, you know, personally, it's part of my coaching practice to help people look at their whole life as their life work. Like when I first started my business and left, I used to work as an HR director when I went into a consulting practice and then created my own business. I was first looking at like executive coaching and leadership and optimal potential in the workplace and came to really realize that our life is our work. It's our life work. So I encourage people to look at their whole life and created a process called creative living coaching where what is your creative passion? You know, your creative passion, if it is talking to people, like you love to talk to people and you're really curious and you want to find things out, that might turn into a hobby or it might turn into a business. And it starts with the person. So what I find out first, you know, what are people yearning for? What is a creative passion? What's a maybe a dream that you've had? It can be simple or it can be you know, big and grand. And from that, people really have a lot of possibilities to bring that into their life in new ways. So I look at, uh, you know, kind of the life work and creative living, creative passion, physical well-being, how can you take care of yourself, your spirituality, how can you interact with your friends, your community, education. How do you continue your education, your lifelong learning in ways that are meaningful to you? What is your family life like, your community life? How can all of those areas really be part of your creative living? Mm, That makes sense. So what would the next step be in the process that you would take a person through? Well, you know, in this example, you know, there's really, uh, I'd say three different ways. You could have a coach, you could look at this individually within yourself. You could be in a creative living circle. And I've been in a creative living circle personally for 10 years. Our group is writing a book right now on our experiences. And we use expressive arts as a process to look at self-discovery. And that doesn't take any experience at all. It doesn't take any artistic experience or background, but it's where you um, actually ask a provocative question about your life and then use art making, writing, movement, journaling as a way to go deeper with yourself interpersonally and with the group. So sometimes I'll ask the question, you know, what two sides of myself need to be heard? Hmm. And kind of what's that emergent inner conflict that is there? And, And typically if there's a conflict or a yearning, there is an invitation and that invitation leads to creative energy that may want to be expressed. And that expression of that creative energy is really unique for each person. So from a a coaching standpoint, it's helping that person go deeper with themselves to really discover their own creative energy. Hmm. The pandemic has 
caused many of us to be isolated nowadays. So how can you see us creating being like using creativity to help people work through their experiences even now? Again, I feel like it can be so very individualized, like depending on the person's interest. But if each person that's listening said to myself, "Mm, what's something that I like to do? You know, what's something that's fun for me? What's something that I consider playful? And how could I build in a bit of playfulness every day in my life, uh, even in the midst of a pandemic, you know, even at home, how can I view my life in a new way? And for some person that might be, you know, cooking something new for dinner, it might be a new kind of exercise. It might be a new therapeutic TV show. It might be a walk in the neighborhood. It might be a Zoom uh, dance party. You know, so there's a wide range of expressions, but each person needs to kind of find that playful, creative passion within themselves and make space and time for it. Is there any other topics that you talk about in your class when you are teaching on creativity? Well, lots of lots of topics. Something that one thing that is coming up that we're working on right now is uh, mindfulness, creativity, and collaboration, and kind of this concept. You know how we charge our phones and we charge our technology more than we recharge ourselves, mm-hmm. and how you know even in the pandemic, almost because of the pandemic, in some ways our lives have gotten so overscheduled and overbooked and we're not taking vacations we're not you know finding that solitude we're in meetings all the time how can we carve out creative space uh, because we do need some spaciousness for creativity i'm curious for discovering oneself so is it you know we we become more present through creative expression with maybe some of the internal landscape, as you said, of our, of ourselves, how do we use that to change ourselves? Is there, is there some way that you can use your creativity to create change in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I connect that to intention and to this concept of the creative living web is what I call it. So I actually do um, a creative living planning process every year. And I've personally done this for over 10 years and, and I've used it with many of my clients. So intentionally, you know, looking at, okay, 2021, you know, what do I want? What do I want for my optimal living? What's going to excite me? What's my creative passion that I want to focus on next year? Um, How do I want to take care of myself in new ways that really help my well-being? Who do I want to spend time with, you know, in relational creativity? Who's most important in my life? And how do I really want to nurture those friendships and relationships? What is my spirituality and my spiritual life? How is it growing? How do I want to nourish that? So being intentional in each of these areas, educationally, what do I want to learn? Uh, How do I want to grow in that way? And setting intentional uh, goals that come from your desire to really grow and be all that you can be. I have been planning to create a storyboard, Um, not a storyboard, Uh Like a vision a board. A vision board, yes. Uh-huh. I, I, so I bought this really cool um, pegboardish sort of thing. Yeah. And I just want to cut images out that kind of inspire me or 
kind of send that intention out into my life? Is that kind of what Mm -hmm. you're talking about? Very much so. And doing a vision board is a wonderful way to do it. It's kind of like back to what I said earlier about a picture, you know, a picture holds a thousand words. So within the picture, you're creating a, a picture, a vision, you're creating your life. So it's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself through your own vision, you know, of what life could be uh, from that creative call that's within. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easy to think black and white, like, I'm a nurse anesthetist, therefore that is my job. But in reality, there are tons of jobs out there. I can think creative ways to change the way that I work or what I do. And so when you explore this area of creativity, it's just creating room for your brain to think in different ways. Yes. Yeah. You know, I did, um, I have another quote that is one of my favorites. It's uh, George Bernard Shaw and he goes, imagination is the beginning of creation. You know, so we imagine like what our life could be. And then you imagine, you know, what you desire. So your desires, your emotions, your feelings are really offering you food and nourishment for your imagination. And then at last, you know, you create what you will. So it's this imagination, desire, creation and will. So that even affects our relationships, which is what yes. like the whole idea of relational creativity and being able to, you know, I want my relationship to look like this. And then you're able yes. to think creative around that. Yes. Hmm, that makes sense to me. What other ways or techniques can you share with the listeners that they could use to explore their creativity or open that Pandora's box, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was kind of say thinking about each listener, if each listener said to themselves every night, you know, tomorrow, what's one thing that I could do that would give me energy? That would be something that I look forward to that would maybe unleash a bit of a new perspective. It can be so simple. It doesn't have to be like super complex, but it could be, again, like a walk outside, uh, journaling, writing a note, sending a message to somebody, connecting with a person that's so important in your life. Having an intention, though, and being very aware of it and expressing that in a way that gives you energy and possibly joy. And then does that kind of expand to other areas? So in my own personal life, like I, this spring with the pandemic, I kind of wanted to do something different, liven up my life a little. And so I guess you could say I became creative with, I bought a bunch of plants and then people started giving me plants and that kind of became a new hobby and that led to other activities in my life as well. And so is it, I mean, does it, does creativity have to be this huge passion or, or can it start with something smaller? Yeah, no, that's a a wonderful example, Corey, how uh, plant life, I actually did an interview recently on plant life and gardening and how that's a creative area, plant life, animals, pets, reading, cooking, any type of making, sewing, quilting, things that you do with your hands are all creative acts. 
kind of circling back, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with or any other resources? Well, the, you know, on, on resources, depending what, you know, people's zone is, there's so much right now, online internet creative workshops that are simple and easy and fun to access. So, I mean, that can be a whole nother way to get introduced to, to new areas of creativity I was going to ask, do you have a guided meditation that you like to use when you help your clients or anything? I do use meditation and I use sounding. So I'll do bring people into somatic awareness and consciousness around their physical well-being, how they're feeling, how their breath is, what they need. Is there, is there any last thoughts that you would like to leave the listeners with? Like, is there anything that you feel like you didn't get a chance to share about creativity or the process of it? Just my, my last thought would be how everybody does have creative potential and how exciting it is. And that creative process is really a bridge to deeper levels of knowing oneself and to have the viewpoint that our life is our work. And it can be so much fun to explore new parts of oneself. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm really grateful that you shared all this information with us. And I I do think that creativity is really an important part of us connecting with ourselves and our humanness and kind of helping, giving us some passion and and self-exploration in our life. Thank you. Thanks again for having a listen today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to But Really, How Are You? and leave us a review. If you are interested in joining our app community for emotional well-being support, go to your app store and download as well a space for your emotions. You can also visit us at www.greencircleinitiatives.com. Please let me know what you want to hear in future episodes. We are here to help you on your emotional well-being journey. 